This is the Woke Daisy. Welcome back to 12 Days of TWD, an extra from our podcast, The Woke Facey, one of the biggest South Asian podcasts out there that aims to chat about the things people only whisper about in South Asian communities. Today, we're talking about something that ties into our Beauty Sanders episode, anti-blackness and more, fashion scandals. Whether you're a fashionista or not, some of the scandals surrounding fashion designers, models, and icons in South Asia have been enough to make anyone think. First up, Falgani Shane Peacock. She commented on a video that went viral on Instagram. She was being interviewed by this girl and talking about bridal designs and what works for certain body types. And she said, and I quote, I won't blatantly tell her to lose weight, but you have enough time and you can work on yourself. It's pretty easy to lose a couple of inches if you want to. She added then, long blouses, more flared lehengas, and not fitted because fitted won't really work when you're a little big. No deep necks for them either. Maybe more higher. She did apologize later, saying, To all you beautiful women, I am so, so sorry if I've inadvertently hurt anyone's feelings. This wasn't my intention at all. Having dealt with body issues all my life, and I'm still dealing with them, I realize we should wear what we want and what makes us happy. My sincere apologies. Nahal, I'd love to hear what you think about that, given that you wrote a good chunk of our Beauty Standards episode and a good chunk of our Anti-Blackness episode. So when she posted this video, um, a plus-size blogger named Amber Qureshi is actually the one who responded to her. And so when she responded to her, she said, like, you're supposed to be one of my favorite designers. Like, how could you do this? This is super wrong of you, like you mentioned. And so after the apology happened, she responded, this um, plus-size blogger, and accepted her apology because her PR team actually got in touch with her. And, you know, Fagoni is one of those designers who truly understands her mistake. But my question with people and this topic is, when you do have a wedding and things like that, aren't you trying to lose inches? When you have a wedding, you are trying to do it. So I'm not saying what she did was correct at all, but isn't that kind of like a turning point? Because you are trying to lose pounds, you are trying to look better and things like that. But it sucks that your favorite designer is saying something like that. But isn't a lot of people's goals during a wedding to want to look the best that they can for their wedding? Yeah, sure. But I don't think that it's fair to say, well, just lose a couple more inches so you can fit into mine. How do you know that this girl hasn't been working her ass off to lose weight? And more than that, it's telling people that they should be losing weight or that they should be thinking about losing weight just to fit into her designs versus this entire message of embrace yourself, love yourself, and I will make clothing that fits you as opposed to you fitting my clothing. And, and that's it's the problem a- with like society because it should be coming from the person who wants to lose weight. Like, hey, I want to look better. But if someone else is saying that and you're basically your favorite designer is going, you need to fit into my clothes and the only way you can do that is lose pounds, it's going to make you feel shitty about your entire wedding. And on top of that, saying if you lose weight, you'll look better. There are plenty of models who are plus size, plenty of women who aren't a size two or a size zero who are stunning, just like there are women who are size zeros and size twos who are absolutely beautiful. And the fact that all sizes should be embraced is obviously a message that isn't evident here. And I understand that she made an apology and you can even tell by her apology that it wasn't written by a PR team and it wasn't some formal like I apologize wholeheartedly. My comments were misconstrued, blah, blah, blah. That formulaic sort of apology that you get. So you can tell she was genuine. But it still kind of put me off of her a little bit because I just kept thinking, well, that means that anybody who's a size 10 or, you know, somewhere in the middle or anyone even who's plus size is going to be sitting there feeling really bad and feeling like, 
oh, we'll just lose some inches if you want to fit into my clothes. And that's just a horrible message to send. And I think my whole issue with this entire scandal was that it would happen so publicly. Um, so for her to say this in an interview to the bride that she's been dressing is so messed up on all levels. And if you see the bride in the video, she's stunning and she's completely, completely normal size. There is not a single thing about her that you could probably pick apart. I saw her and I thought she was beautiful. And even if she was 25 pounds over that, she would have been beautiful. And if she was 25 pounds under that, she would have been beautiful. So rather than focusing on a bride and really lifting her spirits before her wedding day to sit there and be like, well, you know, it's pretty easy to lose a couple of inches. It just sounded really, really awful to hear. You know, a lot of times right now in fashion, a lot of brands are pushing to be more inclusive with sizes. I mean, we just posted about this on our story, but the Victoria's Secret fashion show getting canceled. How happy were you? I was thrilled. And it's not just because I don't, I like the models from, you know, Heidi Klum's time and Tyra Banks and all of them who actually had a lot of curves, but the lack of diversity is on not only in body type, but in skin color everywhere is just really blatant with Victoria's Secret. And so I just didn't support them anymore as I've gotten older. But yeah, I mean, I think that the push in fashion has been really huge and it's really important to continue that. And by saying things like that, you set the entire movement back a few steps. And a huge shout out to Rihanna and Fenty because that line is doing amazing. Like she is the most inclusive human being I know. Well, I don't personally know her. I wish I did, but you know what I mean? But I just think that even now being someone who shops so much online, that is one of my biggest things. I actually go on websites and look to see if they have a plus sizes and things like that because I don't want to like support a brand that's not inclusive to everyone. One of the things that's really bothered me is, so I was thinner, a lot thinner during my early college days and kind of gained weight because of PCOS and a bunch of other stuff. And now I kind of hover anywhere from like a 12 to a 16. And I realize that that's not the thinnest. To some people, that might not be attractive. Whatever. I think I'm pretty enough and that's enough for me. But when I look at websites that are pushing forward this message of either thin being beautiful or even naming plus size. Why is why is it even called plus size? Why is it just called women's clothing? Why do you have to label everybody over a particular size a plus size? They're still the woman. They're still shopping for, say, the same clothes. So why make the distinction that they're a size, I don't know, a size 22 versus a size 2? What's the big difference there? What's the point? Oh, wow. I never even thought of it like that. But yeah, I agree. Like, it it must feel horrible to actually see that when you go shopping and things like that. Yeah. And I'm not even plus size. And it's stupid because I can think through this and think, my God, anybody who's looking at that has to call themselves plus size as if they, you know, are enormous. Like, no, they're just shopping for clothes. This is ridiculous. Next up is a designer anyone interested in South Asian fashion has heard of. The infamous Sabiusachi Mukherjee, the creator of the bridal trousseaus of all major celebrities. He said regarding one of his collections, quote, If you see a woman overdressed, caked with makeup, amored with jewelry, it's most likely that she is wounded, bleeding inside silently, holding on to her pride and dignity, shining for the world, though with her innermost being there is a dark, blinding pain, unquote. He later apologized, explaining that he didn't mean it in that way, but that he wanted to show empathy rather than encouraging people to look at outward appearances for substance. But for all the talk of showing empathy, he sure didn't do it when he shamed women not able to wear a sari, saying, if you tell me that you don't know how to wear a sari, I would say shame on you. It's part of your culture. You need to stand up for it. And on one hand, I see what he meant maybe by it's a part of your culture, you need to stand up for it. Because whether you're Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Indian, whatever, you should stand up for the kind of clothing and your culture and whatever. But 
The thing that really bothers me is, A, acting like the sari is the only thing that any South Asian woman could wear. B, acting like it's shameful if you don't know how to wear one and that that's the only way to prove that you're a woman in the first place. And third, they probably could have chosen other words to talk about it anyway instead of saying, you know, it's a part of your culture. You need to stand up for it. That's not helpful at all. And on top of that, his first quote about if you see a woman overdressed caked with makeup Some girls just like wearing makeup and feel pretty when they do. So I think sitting there and calling those women wounded inside is probably not the best way to build up confidence of your clientele. So actually going back to the topic of Sabi Asachi, and you know how he has gone into a lot of heat for these certain things, but he's also one of the, he's actually praised for this in India for being one of the first designers for hiring dark-skinned models to pose in his elaborate, intricate designs. So I'm not sure if you saw his most um, recent, I'm obsessed with Sabi Asachi's designs, but he did um, a Sabi Asachi by the Sea, and it was this like really fun shoe, and he had a lot of dark-skinned models, and people were saying like, thank you for including them. I don't know why that's a thing right now, like you should be including them regardless, but do you think that maybe that's still a step in the right direction for someone that big to be doing that? I think it is a step in the right direction because, you know, it's sometimes it feels like two steps forward, three steps back, but you can't deny whenever they are taking a step forward and they are thinking through this. It's just been a little bit inconsistent with his messaging sometimes because I know that one of the things that he said recently in the last couple of years was, and I quote, In fashion, you have to reinvent yourself every three to five years. You need to be fresh. Right now, I've become tired of gaunt faces and stick-thin models. I'm obsessed by boobs. This is coming from a genius designer, no doubt. I also love his clothing nail, but for one who used to use very thin models and models that, yes, might have dark skin but are probably still pretty thin – or, you know, first off, why call them boobs? That's just so juvenile. And, you know, it kind of implies that – boobs are the only way that a woman can be curvy and kind of stigmatizes body types across thinness and like makes it sound like curves are just breasts but not actual weight on a woman and fashion designers just have so much power about like what trickles down into the market and they set the standard for what's acceptable so shaming or blatant body type descriptions do actually have an influence on like what makes it the market what the common person sees not just the people who buy this high-end fashion and so While I agree with you that his dark-skinned models are really, really great step forward, especially in a country that we've talked about multiple times has, like, disgusting amounts of colorism. But at the same time, you're like, well, good job, because you might have ruined a little bit of your work and your hard work toward body positivity by making it sound like one body type is desirable over another. I mean, after kind of listening to all of the stuff that he said, he definitely has to do a better job of delivering what he says because I understand what he's saying, okay? He's not like, you know, the first quote that you mentioned, he's talking about being wounded as an, it's just a marketing point to say like, hey, you should have like jewelry and look nice and things like that. But the way that he phrased it really just like kind of messed everything up. And same with the boobs comment. You're just trying to say we want more curvy women. Curvy women are in, even though, you know, both types of women are in at all times. But I'm. he's just saying like, I don't want to do skinny, sick models anymore. Let's focus on the curvy woman. But saying it, it's like delivery platform was really bad. Exactly. And I'm not someone who usually goes into people's comments and nitpicks at every single one. But as I was reading some of the things, I went, oh, good God. And I kind of groaned inside. And I was like, oh, my goodness. This delivery could have been a lot better. And And I just think he's like such a high up their fashion designer like you can't be making these kind of mistakes anymore okay like you need to understand like where we are in 2019 like what you say really affects people 
Yeah, no, it's so, so important. And, you know, it's so critical that they recognize that because they do have the power to change. Everybody looks to Sabisachi for their weddings. People talk about Manish Malhotra and people talk about Tarun Deliliani and everybody else. And like, when you're looking at those designers, when you have that name recognition, it is really critical that you say the right stuff. So while you're taking these really great steps forward, when you say stupid things, then it takes you back and it kind of kills your reputation, even though you're actually, you know, a genius when it comes to your designs. Despite everything that he said, would you still buy a Sabiasachi? Obviously, if you could afford it, but um, would you or would this be something that you're like, I'm against Sabiasachi. I'm going to boycott them. Not a fan anymore. I'm not completely against it. I think that they've done more than most in terms of already fighting the colorism. It's not that they haven't shown that they haven't learned that the house hasn't learned. So I'm not completely against them, to be honest. But it is really important to recognize whenever people go wrong and hopefully call them out on it so that they can get it right next time. So if we're going to be talking about the power of photos and photo shoots, we can't go on without discussing that 2014 terrible photo shoot conducted by a photographer in Mumbai. Depicting models wearing high-end labels, photographer Raj Chiete had a shoot loosely inspired by the Nirbhaya rape and murder in Delhi. By placing the female model in compromising positions that were clearly implied to be stimulating an assault by men on a bus. Like, what the actual hell? He apologized and he said that he was trying to shed light on an issue. And I'm an artist too. Uh, Art is creative and it's an outlet to be really aware and to shed light on topics. But you're already treading the line of class if you're going to start even broaching the topic of rape. And then it crosses the line whenever you dress your subjects in high-end labels and then glamorize them. Also, you're doing this to raise money and get capital, okay? So this is all a big marketing ploy for you. So that's definitely glamorizing rape. Like, how can you even think of that? If you were doing this photo shoot pro bono and you were actually trying to do it to create an impact and start a conversation, I get it. But you're showing off your new pieces of clothing? Honestly, if you look at these pictures, then you kind of cringe because it's a girl in this beautiful outfit. It must have been like a Marquesa or something at the time in 2014. Beautiful, beautiful dress. And she's being groped by a guy in a tux. They're obviously on a bus. She doesn't look comfortable. And the guys all have their hands on their uh, all over her in a way that looks really possessive and looks like they're about to assault her. I've actually never heard of this, so I'm hearing it for the first time right now, and I'm just completely shook, especially after watching that whole docuseries on Netflix that just came out, the Delhi Crimes one. That's even crazier to me. It just blows my mind because you're also not respecting the victim or her family or the many, many women who have gone through sexual assaults, both in India, in South Asia as a whole, and abroad. And it just kind of trivializes an issue by putting them in these glamorous outfits. It's not glamorous. It's not pretty. It's horrifying. And it's a crime against humanity. And now you're going to sit there and you're going to try and make it pretty for the sake of art? I don't think so. So another fashion show gaffe was one by a brand called Ghani at the Copenhagen Fashion Week. Now, for the record, I didn't actually know that there was a fashion week in Copenhagen before this episode, but this company decided to project women in developing countries on their runway and as the background to their show, while white models paraded outfits in the name of sustainability. They kept talking about how these outfits were sustainable and good for the environment with pictures only of women in developing countries as the background. It doesn't really seem that bad at first, but when you put the white savior aspect into it, the white fashion, these models that act like brown girls in a totally different universe, but that their lives will be saved by sustainable fashion created by white saviors. And this entire idea that 
these lands are so far away. Like these girls who are in these pictures are never going to actually see these fashion shows. They're never going to have that world. So why even put them in there if it's not actually helping them, you know? Oh my God. Wow. This is another one I have not heard about. Like these women in these pictures, are they getting paid at all? Are they helping? Are they, do they get to wear the clothes at all? No, I don't think so. They were just shots of, for example, a little Indian girl in the field, um, you know, sort of wearing a really ripped up, dirty salwar kurta. And, you know, just there are pictures of these little girls and pic- people like running in the fields of, you know, Africa or all of these developing nations and these very white models walking with outfits that were created from patterns from those countries and created to theoretically be sustainable, but no actual connection to the girls in the photographs. Oh, wow. It just puts down other cultures and developing cultures while not actually including their stories. So just not for it at all. Yeah, it's just another example of why fashion needs to be really careful about what it says and how it portrays itself because it's so, it's clothing is so relatable, jewelry, all of the things that are modeled on runways are so broadly applicable. I always think about the Devil Wears Prada and that whole scene where Meryl Streep tells it basically rips Anne Hathaway a new one and tells her how the color of the week or the color of the year that year was cerulean and how it came down the market and made it away into Anne Hathaway's a really ugly skirt a couple of years later. And that's how I always think of fashion is the fact that it starts high end and then it kind of trickles down into Walmarts and smaller stores and kind of becomes a global trend. The Pantone color of the year always, always starts as a color of the year, but a year or two later is when it hits the market really big and you just see that color everywhere. And so with that kind of influence, you know, you just have to be really careful with the kinds of messaging that you put out because it is really, really powerful. And you know me, I'm super into fashion, but I think recently I've been just more aware of which kind of companies and uh, groups to support. I've been definitely more cautious about supporting people whose values don't align with mine. And um, I definitely am making a bigger effort on supporting South Asian brands, so small South Asian brands, because I think that there's so much that we miss out on with these big names, like, you know, Sapi Sachi, Manish Bolota, but what about the little ones? What about the little ones? We should be helping each other grow and things like that. Exactly. And it's really important, too, for Indian fashion or South Asian fashion as a whole, because it affects the community as a whole. And, you know, when we're wearing these designs out to these weddings and these community events and things like that it says a lot about us but the things that we're that the brands are saying we're also wearing those messages as well so it's like really important because for the messages that these fashion brands put out they go out to an entire community it's not completely exclusive the way other communities are so before we end of course this Nahal's favorite time of the episode it's rapid fire round. So first, well, who is your favorite South Asian fashion designer? I love Shamal and Bumika. They have a lot of florals and very princessy outfits and very sparkly things. And uh, Tarun Tahiliani. So I'm going to give a couple of small businesses that I've uh, been brand ambassadors for and have worked with and love their work. One is We Wear Us. So my best friend's sister actually owns this company and they do a lot of rental and original designer wear. So for We Wear Us. And then the other one is Be Anu Design. So this um, Manfred Tour is actually the ambassador for this brand and Anu is like the nicest person ever. So definitely check these two out. The second is a fashion trend you hate. I hate Uggs and I hate the velvet trend and the fact that it's coming back. It makes me really sad. I want to punch you about the Uggs comment. I love Uggs. I have the ones that have bows on the back of them because that's how extra I am. They make me think of mammoth feet. Like they literally make me think that everybody is trying to look like a woolly mammoth. 
I was the child back in high school who used to wear shorts and Uggs, okay? So I am offended. But the one that I hate is the barrettes. Um, so 90s, we used to wear these barrettes that were like huge and clunky. And they were cute then, but I still I see people bringing it back and I'm just not for it. Like it does not look good. What is one trend that you wish would make a comeback? I would say flares. Not like giant bell bottoms, but just subtle flares. I still love that trend. My sixth grade self would be very, very happy if it came back. I would say tracksuits. Like my juicy couture tracksuit was my life. (laughs) And what is one trend you are just obsessed with right now? I have loved lace since Kate Middleton started wearing it. Um, She is the love of my life and celebrity kind of crush, girl crush. So I would say lace. I definitely love all things lace. Animal print for sure. Everything, snake, cheetah, whatever, you name it, that animal, I want it. Once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the 12 Days of TWD. As always, we say get woke and stay woke as you follow us on social media at The Woke Thacy. And stay tuned for our next episode coming tomorrow. This is The Woke Daisy.